0: Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. We've got some very important things that we need to share that will give to each one of us a deeper, deeper understanding of what you have done for us in the cross of Jesus Christ. So we say thank you for your word and what it teaches us. So speak to our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. In 3 John and in verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. We're on a quest for truth, uh, truth on which we can build our lives. And and today, we're going to explore the truth concerning the creation of the world. And even more importantly, the creation of you and the creation of me, that is the creation of people. Bertrand Russell, who was a a, a noted uh, atheist, said this. He says, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. And Russell is right in when he said that. When he says, if you assume there is a God, then you can assume there's a purpose for life. But if there is no God, then the question about the purpose of life is meaningless. Folks, if there is no God, then we've fallen for a, a myth. We've been conned in, in our life. If, if everything in this world is just random chance, if there's no rhyme or reason, there's no designer over this whole world, if that's true, then life really is worthless. Nothing really matters in life. And to be intellectually honest, if you're going to be an atheist, the only rational philosophy that you can hold is if you you really believe there is no God, the only rational position that you can take is that nothing matters in life. Uh, Because everything is just chance. We're talking about a worldview. How you view the world. and, And the issue of the existence of God is a large piece as you craft your biblical worldview. You need to understand that God does exist. Uh, And so today, as we're in this series on gaining a right perspective, really building the foundation of truth in our life, we're going to be talking about who am I? And where did I come from? And you know, the Bible teaches three very basic or fundamental truths about uh, creation, about uh, the creation of, of mankind for that matter. And even more importantly, we're also going to look at What I would say five very profound implications for your life and for my life because God has created us. So let's jump in and let's start by looking at three fundamental truths that the Bible teaches. The first truth is simply this. God created everything. God created everything. In the very first verse of the very first chapter of the very first book of the Old Testament, we read these words. It says, In the beginning, God. Now, if you can't get over those first four words, uh, then life really has no meaning. There's no purpose. There's no significance to life. The Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The fact of the matter is that God existed long before the universe. He existed long before the earth. He existed long before the human race. The Bible tells us that God spoke the universe into existence. Now, maybe the question you would ask is, well, how long did that take? You know, it could have taken a second. God spoke and there it was. Or it could have taken 10 billion years. It, 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 it really doesn't matter. The bottom line is God created it. He just spoke it. Uh, remember, folks, God exists eternally, and He exists outside of time and space. And so God is not constrained by time. In fact, Peter told us in his uh, second epistle, Second Peter 3, eight. He says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. So God is not constrained by time. 10,000 years or or, or 10 billion years in the blink. It's a blink of the eye to God. And so it makes no difference really how long it took to create the world. Folks, it took as long as God wanted it to take. And we need to, to bank on that. And so you might also ask, well, do you believe that God used the theory of evolution to create the world? Well, no, I don't. Because it's a theory. Um, The fact of the matter is, folks, we know that species don't change. There can be change inside of a species. That, for instance, uh, you can take an orchid and you can change it from being a yellow orchid to being a green orchid. It's called a hybrid hybrid orchid. So there are changes within the species, but nobody has ever changed from one species to the other. You can't turn an orchid into an elephant. You just can't do that, okay? And so there's absolutely zero evidence in the fossil records that there was a change from one species to another species. That doesn't exist. And so it really is just a theory. It's interesting to me that the Bible doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about how God created the earth. Instead, it spends an inordinate amount of time talking about why God created the earth. And that's more important to me. You know, why did God create the universe? Why did God create the earth? Why did God create mankind? Well, look at Isaiah 45 verse 18 there in your notes. It says, He did not create it, and that's talking about the earth. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. That is, God made the earth to be inhabited. He made it so it could sustain life. And why did He do that? Well, again, look at Hebrews chapter 2, the very first part of verse 10. He says, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. See, it says that God created everything to bring glory to himself so that he could enjoy it himself. Uh, he, He did it because he wanted to do it. But not only that, he says he wanted to have many children who would share in that glory. He's talking about you and me. And so the Bible is very clear in teaching that God wanted a family. Now, God wasn't lonely. He didn't need us But He wanted us. He wanted us to be His children. You see, God is love. And we were created to be objects of His love. Uh, God, you know, we were made simply so that God could love us. If you want to know why you're sitting where you are right now and breathing your next breath, let me tell you why you're there. So that God can love you so that God can love you. If God didn't want to love you, you wouldn't be breathing your next breath. Okay? It's simple. And in fact, the Bible says that God created the entire universe so that He could create the galaxy. And He created the galaxy so He could create Earth. And He created Earth so He could create people. And He created people so He could create you so that He could love you. That is a profound truth. And we were the idea behind creation. God made it all possible so that He could love us. The Bible says, first of all, that God created everything. The second great truth that we need to hold on to and build on is God thought of us first, but created us last. God thought of us first, but created us last. I mean, God thought of the human race before He thought of anything else. Um, He created us last. He thought of us first, but He created us last. I mean, Genesis tells us the exact order of creation. You know, there was light, there was water, there was the sky or the atmosphere. There were the oceans and the dry land, you know, dry land and and wet land and so forth. Then there was vegetation on the earth and then the sun, the moon and the stars, and then uh, sea animals and, and fish and so forth. And then came land animals. And last of all, finally, He created man and woman. He created everything else first, but we were the reason all that stuff came into existence. He created it for us. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 4. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Excuse me. It says, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. In other words, God says, I'm going to create the universe so that I can create people so that I can love them. So He created us last, but He thought of us first. We're the reason for everything. And look at James 1.18 there. It says, He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And in this next sentence, you need to underline that in your notes or in your Bible. He says, and we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. We, out of all creation, became His prized possession. Let that sink in for a moment. You and I are God's prized possession. Does that do anything for you? We are God's prized possession. So you're unlike anything that God has ever made. So God created everything... He created us last, even though He thought of us first. And the third foundational truth is this, that God custom designed each of us. Each one of us is custom designed by God. Look at, Proverbs, excuse me, at Psalm 139, beginning at verse 13. He's speaking to God and He says, God, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. That's really indescribable to think about that, that God custom designed each one of us, that he has a place for us, he has a position for us, he has a a purpose for our life, a plan for our life, and he oversaw our creation. Folks, that's why I am diametrically opposed to abortion, because it is destroying an individual that God has custom made. And people don't let anybody ever tell you. Young people don't let anybody ever tell you that you're an accident. Folks, there are accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. God planned them from the very beginning. He wanted you. He had you in His mind. So God created everything. God thought you of you first. He made you last. And God custom designed you. Now, what are the implications then for us? when we think of those truths. I think there are five implications, and they can really have a very profound impact on our life when we begin to apply these truths to our life. First of all, number one, your life has sanctity. Your life has sanctity. Now, what does that mean? Well, sanctity comes from the word to sanctify, meaning to set apart. It means to, to make something special, to dedicate it for a very special use. What if I were to say to God, God, you've given me this car and I want to give it back to you to be used in, in, the, in hum, humane work or to be used for your service, for whatever you want to do. What I have done is I have sanctified that car. That is, I've made it special by dedicating it to a very special use. Well, the Bible says that your life has sanctity. Now, now, why is that? Because human beings are uniquely different from all the rest of creation. Uh, and there are three reasons why we're, we're different from all the rest. First of all, God has designed us in His image. We are designed in God's image in in Genesis 1.27. So God created people in His own image. God patterned them after Himself. Male and female, He created them. That makes you different from all of the other animals. You know, cows and goats and sheep and ducks and frogs. They're not made in God's image, okay? But human beings are. So how are we different? Well. For one thing, we have free moral choice. We can make decisions of what is right and what is wrong. Animals can't do that. We can talk to God. Animals don't do that. Uh, We can make decisions. That makes us different from all the rest of creation. But second, God planned you before you were born. Again, in Jeremiah 1.5, listen to these words. He's talking to Jeremiah and he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Do you realize that God had a purpose for your life even before you were born? Um, God knew you, folks, before you were conceived. I mean, He thought of you. He conceived you before your parents conceived you. Uh, God says, I have planned you in advance. I planned your birth. You see that throughout Scripture. For instance, to Isaiah, in Isaiah 49, verse 1, he says, the Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, he called my name. You see, God knew Isaiah by name before his parents ever gave him that name. Uh, God called him before he was born. Now, what does that mean? I mean, well, it means that God had a calling on his life. The, The reason that Isaiah was conceived is because God had a purpose for his life. The same is true with you. The same is true with me, that God designed us in his image and he planned us before our birth and he had a very special reason for doing that. He had a purpose and has a purpose for your life. Um, that's why we don't believe in abortion. I mean, think about it. Abortion short circuits God's plan. Uh, God thought of you long before your parents did. And, and if you had been aborted, then you would not be able to fulfill the purpose that God had for you all here on this earth. And God says, I don't want anybody short circuiting my plans and my purposes. So he made you in his image and he planned you before birth. And then the third thought in that is that God made you for His pleasure. God made you for His pleasure. Over in the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and verse 11, in one of these great psalms of, of praise to God that are resounding around the throne of God, it says, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created everything, and it is for Your pleasure That they exist and were created. I mean, look around at the universe. Everything in this universe is designed to bring pleasure to God. Look at a tree. God says, man, I made that tree for me. It brings me great pleasure, great joy. Uh, You look at the mountains. You look at the sunsets. And God says, I made that for my pleasure. Look in the mirror. You are made for God's pleasure. To bring joy to God. Folks, you are not here by accident on this earth. God put you on this planet because He wanted to love you. He wanted to enjoy you and and He wants you to learn to enjoy Him back. And God really enjoys you being you. You know, a lot of times we think that God only gets happy or excited or smiles when we're doing something religious, you know, like maybe going to church or something like that. But the reality is that God enjoys you when you do what he has equipped you to do. So if if you're good at repairing diesel motors, God says, that's my boy. You're doing a good job. Or or if you're good at painting or writing or crocheting or or cooking or something like that, uh, God says, hey, that's my girl. Keep at it. You're doing just exactly what I've made you for. Uh, When you're good at teaching, you're good at driving a tractor or a truck or something like that, or whatever you do, God looks down on you and he says, that's my child. He takes great delight in us being what he made us to be. He enjoys watching you be yourself. Friends, God made you in his image. You're not here by accident. That means that your life has sanctity. But a second implication is this, that your identity then has dignity. Your identity has dignity. You know, deep inside, all of us long for dignity. We, we may not call it that. We may not realize that. But everybody wants to feel that their life matters, that, that their life is worth something, that there's significance in my life. You want to feel that life really counts. My life counts, okay? Okay. Well, what is it then that gives us dignity as children of God? I mean, we can try all sorts of things. You can try fame, you can try fortune, uh, but you're not going to find dignity in those things. Uh, uh, You you can try to get dignity from physical beauty or whatever, but you're not going to get dignity from those things. It comes from something much deeper. Your significance will never come from those things. And if that's where you're looking for significance in your life, then you're wasting your time. You're going to be deeply disappointed. You can have it all by the world's standards. You know, fame and money and power and sex and beauty and all of that. And you can still feel like a fake inside. Why is that? Because you were made for so much more. Now, so where does our dignity come from? Well, you know, where do we get significance from? We get it from three things and they all come from God. First of all, Real dignity comes from the fact that God the Father sacrificed Jesus the Son for you. Man, that gives you dignity. Do you realize that God considers you so valuable that he he considers you valuable enough to die for you? I mean, you were worth dying for. Have you ever thought about that? God says, you're worth dying for. The writer uh, of 1 Peter in chapter 1, beginning of verse 18 says, God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom He paid was not mere gold and silver. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ. And He did this for you. So you want to know how much you're worth to God? How much dignity? God thinks that uh, that you have, look at the cross. I mean, here's Jesus and he says, this is how valuable you are to us, to the God, the Father, God, the Son. This is how valuable you are to me. You're worth dying for. You're worth going through all the pain and all the suffering. That's how much you're worth to God. Now, how do you think about it? How do you determine the value of something? Well, value is determined by what somebody is worth uh, somebody's willing to pay for. Okay, if, if I got a piece of, of furniture, how much is it worth? It's whatever somebody will pay pay me for it. Okay, so God is willing to pay for your salvation with the death of His beloved Son. That shows dignity uh, when you think about it. When you realize it, how much you're worth to God that He would die for you. That really, uh, in some ways gives a boost to your self-esteem, doesn't it? Your self-worth. You're valuable to God. That's why the Bible says in uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 17 that we're to respect everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Now, why does he say that? Because everyone that you meet is loved by God. There is not a person in this world that Jesus Christ didn't die for. It doesn't matter if they believe it or not, whether they accept Him or or not. The Bible says you treat them with dignity because I died for them. And so folks, we need to treat other people with respect. That's the bottom line. And then a a second source of our dignity is the fact that the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, lives in our life. The Holy Spirit lives in your life. You know, when you pray and you, and you say, Jesus, come into my life, what happens is God the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in your life. Uh, he comes in He lives inside of, our, inside of us. And, and again, that's not something that, that happens unless you invite Christ to come into your heart. But once you say, come in, He's going to come in. I mean, God's not going to force Himself into your life. He's not going to bully His way into your life. <clears throat> you can choose to reject God. You certainly can. Uh, You can turn your back on him. But when you do say, God, come into my life, he comes in and he becomes the manager of the the, in your life, the boss of your life. First Corinthians 619, which, by the way, is your memory verse. Okay, memorize this verse. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Um, your body is a temple. It's the home of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a temple that's to be used for anything else. I mean, God says, I want that temple to be mine. It's mine. I created you. I want to be in your heart. So don't make it a temple for anything else. Only make it a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then he says of the Holy Spirit, he says, he lives in you. And he says, you do not belong to yourself. Now why? Because it belongs to God. It belongs to God. I mean, one day, folks, um, we're going to you know we're going to give up this body. Uh, and, you know, we, but our life is going to keep on going. Our bodies are going to die, but we're going to keep on going because our bodies are just on loan from God. Okay, and one day you're going to kind of turn that into the rental shop and and move on to something else. Okay, so God put His Spirit in you, and you know what? God doesn't put his spirit into a junk can. That gives you dignity. That gives you worth. Third thing, a, that a source of dignity, is the fact that Jesus gives us a new identity. Our, our identity has dignity because Jesus gives us a new identity. You know, when you come to him, <clears throat> he gives you a new identity. When you start trusting in Jesus Christ, he transforms your, your life. He, he makes your life better. He makes all things new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When you come to Jesus Christ, it's like you've got this huge chalkboard and He has written every sin that you've ever committed on this chalkboard. And then He comes along, not with an eraser, but with that spray bottle and a rag that really cleans a chalkboard well. And he wipes it all completely clean. And he says, Let's start over with a fresh start, a new beginning. Now, let me tell you why that's important. And I want to be very blunt with you, okay? You have done some things in your life that you are terribly ashamed of. I have. I, you know, there are a lot of things in our life that we think, man, I wish I could do this over again. Man, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Oh, if only I could start the reel again. If I could have a do-over. If I could have a mulligan. You know, I would do something different this time. I wish I could just take, take it off the slate of my life. Why is that so? Because think about it. Every time that you and I sin, it damages your dignity. Um, Sin doesn't just hurt God, doesn't just displease God. It hurts you. It hurts me. I mean, when we break God's principles, you don't just hurt other people. You don't just disappoint God. You hurt yourself. Because every time you sin, it replaces a little bit of your self-respect with a little bit of shame. It begins to pile up in your life. and, And soon you've got all this shame in your life. And what do you do? You start pushing it away. By staying busy, constantly working, become a workaholic or something, or playing computer games, or you're using drugs, or you're going out and getting drunk, or you're going to parties and all that. Something to push it away. But it's still there. And when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you just say to yourself, man, I am so messed up. I've made so many, many mistakes. But Jesus Christ is in the dignity restoring business. That's what He wants to do in your life is to restore your dignity. He says, when you come to me and give me your life, it's like we're going to wipe that slate of your life, that blackboard of your life, clean. It's starting over with a brand new, brand new slate. Years ago, there was a man in England who bought a brand new Rolls Royce. And he decided that he was going to go on vacation in Europe and he wanted to take the car with him, so he had it shipped across the English Channel to to, to France and he began this month-long vacation in his Rolls-Royce in, uh, in Europe. And somewhere along the time during that, that vacation, something went wrong with the Rolls-Royce. And so he called back to England, to the Rolls-Royce uh, dealership, and he said, hey, I've got this problem. And They said, don't worry about it. We're sending out a mechanic. And so they sent a mechanic from England to Europe, wherever he was, who fixed the problem. And The man left with just a handshake and and was gone. And as the man continued with his month-long vacation, he began to wonder, well, I wonder how much that repair is gonna cost me. I mean, after all, they flew this guy over here. And what am I gonna do, you know? So when he got back to England, checked the mail and there was no bill. Waited a few weeks, there was no bill. So finally he wrote the Rolls-Royce people and said, uh, how much did it cost to repair my vehicle? And he got back a letter that said this, dear sir, There is no record anywhere in our files that anything ever went wrong with a Rolls Royce. Now listen, Satan comes to God and he whispers in God's ear, you see that gal, you see that guy? There is no way you can let him or her into heaven. Look at all the mess they've done. Look at the ugly sins in their life. All the things they've done. There's no way under the sun that you should ever ever love them and and allow them into heaven. And God's going to look in the books and He's going to say, I have no record of even one sin that they have committed in their entire lifetime. Folks, that's what salvation is. That's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. He has wiped the slate clean. And as far as from God's standpoint, there is no sin. That's a fresh start. That's a brand new start. That's the kind of dignity that God wants to give us. A new birth. And so when you come to Jesus Christ, He gives you not just the forgiveness of sin, but He gives to you a brand new life, a, a fresh start. He restores your dignity. Now, I want you to listen carefully. I don't know what you've done in your life. I don't know who you've done it with. I don't know how long you've done it um, or where you did it or, or anything like that. To God, it doesn't matter where you've been. What matters to God is where your feet are headed on this Sunday morning, January 16, 2022. That's what matters to God. What direction are you headed right now? He has saved you from your past. And He says your past is gone, okay? And He says your life has sanctity. Your identity has dignity. Because I died for you. And I put my spirit into your heart. And I want to give you a brand new identity. And third, third implication of the fact that God created us is then our days have destiny. That simply means that God has a defined purpose for your life while you're here on this earth. Again, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Do you realize that God ever knows everything in your life that's going to happen or that has happened? You didn't catch Him by surprise. He knew it all along. Now, He didn't make you do the things that you did or the things that you're going to do, but He knew what you were going to do. And the fact is that everything that's going on in your life has been recorded in a book, and it was in those pages of that book when, before you were even one day old. That's what He's saying here. So your days have destiny. God says, I put you here for a destiny. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance before you were even born for you to do. It says God prepared it in advance. Before you were born, God decided how He was going to wire you. He gave you certain ambitions and certain desires and certain drives. He created you with certain interests. God uniquely shaped you to play your role in history. And only you can play that role. And if you don't carry out that role, there's nobody else going to carry out that role. And here's the key thing. God never compares you with anybody else. Never. I mean, one day you're going to stand in heaven before God and, and you're never, ever going to hear God say, well, why weren't you more like that person over there? Or why weren't you more like your brother or your sister or your mother or, or your father? He's never going to say that to us. But God is going to look at you and He's going to say, how'd you do with what I placed in your hands? That is your potential. Uh, what did you do with the talents and the abilities and the opportunities and, and the experiences and the freedom and so forth that I've given you? See, He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. Now, can we miss God's purpose for our lives? Absolutely. You sure can. In fact, the tragedy is that most people go throughout life and they never discover and never carry out God's purpose for their life. God wants you to discover your purpose and and he wants you to carry it out on a daily basis. But but there's another thought as we look at the implications of what it really means to be created by God. Uh, Let me introduce this this fourth implication by simply asking this, is everything that happens to you God's perfect will for your life? Is everything that happens to you God's perfect will for your life? Well, absolutely not. I mean, a lot of things happen in your life that were not a part part of God's perfect plan for your life, perfect will for your life. Why? Because God has given you free will. And you can choose to follow Him, or you can choose to follow your own way. You can choose to follow the world. You can choose to follow the devil. You know the devil's will. I mean, think about it. If I went out today and I went up to Wild Horse uh, to go ice fishing and I got drunk and I decided I was going to drive my Jeep out on the ice and that ice broke through and I drowned, would that be God's perfect will for my life? No, that'd be a result of my stupid, sinful decision that, that I made. And so don't blame God for some of your problems that, you, that are in your life. God says, I have a will for your life. But I'm not going to force you to do my will. I'm not going to make you do it. You can choose to believe in me or not believe in me. You can follow me or not follow me. You can do my will or not do my will. But I want you to love me. That's what I want in your life. Now, can God even bring good out of the mistakes that happen in our life? Of course He can. You and I know that. Because He specializes in that. So the fourth implication of the fact that God has created me is this, that your problems have intentionality. Your problems have intentionality. That just means that the problems in your life have a purpose. I mean, every problem in your life has a purpose that God is going to use in your life. Um, This means that the mess you're in right now has meaning. Okay? Uh, You can't see it. You know, Uh, you rarely see the meaning of a mess when you're right in the middle of it not until you get out of it and then you have a very clear view of of the whole thing that was going on in your life. God's purpose for your life is so much bigger than the problems that you're going through. And friends, God can take everything in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and, and because He's God, He can use it for good in your life. Now, folks, God doesn't cause those problems in your life. So stop blaming God say, God, why, why, why did you do this? You bring enough problems on your own, okay? And other people bring problems into your life that, that are there. Problems are caused by the world. They're caused by the devil. They're caused by ourselves. They're caused by others. And God allows them into our life, but he has a good intention for those things. He has a good intention, even when other people have bad intentions for our life. I mean, think about, remember Joseph <clears throat> Joseph's brothers hated him. <clears throat> they sold him into slavery. He went into slavery. He uh, got falsely accused, ended up in prison, and just forgotten. But then he was elevated to be second in the kingdom of, of Egypt. And a famine came, and his brothers came out of, out of the, the region of, uh, of Israel and came down to Egypt to get grain. And through a really intriguing, uh, twisted kind of story, Joseph finally revealed himself that he was their brother. He was second in command of Egypt. And and they were cowering in fear. They said, oh, he's going to get revenge on us now. Our goose is cooked, you know. But listen to what Joseph said. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He said, you know what? You meant to hurt me. And yeah, it did hurt. But God intends this for good. See, there's intentionality behind every problem that comes into our life. There have been people in your life who've hurt you. Uh, They've done it. They hurt you with words. Maybe they hurt you physically. Maybe they they hurt you by being drunk and doing things to you. Maybe, Maybe you were sexually abused. And I'm sorry for that. But what I want you to know is that God can bring good out of that. And He intends to bring good out of that. If you'll just give those problems to Him and and trust Him, you give Him the pieces, the broken pieces of your life. And you know what? God can bring peace out of the pieces. See, God is bigger. And His purpose is greater than any problem that you and I are going through. And He says, I have intentionality in those problems. And I will bring good out of them if you'll just trust me. Folks, God is more interested in our character than He is in our comfort. He's in the business of building our character. So how does God build character? Well, first, He builds it through truth. The more truth you know, the more freedom you have in life. He he builds our character through time. Uh, You know, uh, he uses time to grow us spiritually. It takes time to grow spiritually. It can't happen overnight. He builds us through testing. God's going to, te- to test your integrity. He's going to test your generosity. He's going to test your humility. He's going to test your faith. All of those will make us stronger. And then, folks, He uses trouble to grow us. Grow us up in life. Um, you know what? People are like tea bags. okay? You'll never know what's inside of them until they're in hot water. And then you find out their character, okay? So you and I have got to learn to trust God with our problems. Realizing that He is at work in those problems, conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. So Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose for them. So because God is God... Your life has sanctity. Your identity has dignity. uh, uh, Your days have destiny. Your problems have um, intentionality. And best of all, number five, your future is eternity. Your future is eternity. You see, um, it's not going to end here on earth. It it just isn't because, because there is a God and He has made you in His image. There is far more to life than just here and and now. Uh, The Bible says that you were made to last forever. Uh, You know, one day your heart's going to stop. Absolutely, it will stop. And that's going to be the end of your body, but that's not going to be the end of you. God has created you not only as a body, but also as a spirit. And your spirit's going to go on, and one day it will be with Him in eternity. And God wants you to be a part of His forever family. That's why you were created. Look at, look at Ephesians 1.10. This is the plan. He's talking about God's plan. This is the plan. At the right time, God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. See, God wants to draw everybody together in His family. But he's not going to force you to become a part of his family. He's not going to force you to love him, to trust him, <coughs> to, uh, to know him. And you can say, hey, I don't choose to believe in God. I'm not going to trust in Jesus Christ. I don't want to follow him and let him be the boss of my life. Um, I don't want his purpose for my life. I'm not going to follow. And God's going to say, fine. If that's how you want it, fine. Have it your way. But here's the key. If you reject God, you've got to be willing to pay the consequences of that rejection. Because friends, one day this world is going to end, okay? And God's going to gather people before His throne, and He's going to look at the list of all of those who are part of His family because they put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ. Is your name going to be on that list? Um. That's the most important question in all the universe. Is your name going to be on that list? John, writing in in, in the first chapter of his gospel, said this, to all who believed him, and that word believed means to put their trust, their confidence, their hope, their leaning on Jesus Christ, to all who believed Him and accepted Him, invited Him into their life, He gave the right to become children of God, to become a part of the family of God. So friends, it's your choice. You can live a life with God in this life and in eternity to come, or you can live a life without God. Here on this earth, and also for all of eternity separated from God. It's your choice. God, God's not going to make you do that, okay? But you can, make, you can live your life with purpose. You can live your life following God. You can live life pursuing His plan for your life. He created you to love you. He created you to carry out His purpose in this world. It's your choice. Let's pray. You know, before you were born, God knew that today you'd be at Calvary Baptist Church in Elko, Nevada on Sunday, January sixteenth, two 2022. And I pray that today He's got your attention, that that He is saying to you, you know what? I made you. I, I thought you up. I created you. I sent my Son to die for you. I want to forgive you. I want to put dignity into your life again. Would you silently pray this prayer with me? Say, Dear God, thank you for creating the world. Thank you for thinking of me before you created it all. I'm amazed that uh, you would love me that much. Thank you for wanting me to be a part of your family forever. Jesus Christ, I thank you so much for dying for me. I don't understand it all, but I want to put my trust in you. So I invite you to fill my life with your life, with your spirit. I ask you to to make me a part of your family. Thank you for making me for a purpose. Please forgive me for all the things that I've done wrong. Please restore my dignity. Give me a new identity. Secure my destiny for eternity. Help me to start learning to treat everybody with dignity and to share the good news with those who don't know you yet. I pray all of this in your name. Amen.